Yeah, so because my uh, two passions are snowboarding and kitesurfing, I can make a living through through that by um, coaching. So I would go to a place and get a, a job teaching kitesurfing in summer or teaching snowboarding in the winter, and I would be kind of stationary. And that's what's different maybe about my journey is that I'm not um, traveling around all the time. I do, you know, keep myself in one place for a few months, work as a instructor, um, save a bit of money. And then I'll take, you know, between the seasons, I'll take maybe a month or two off to do a bit of traveling around with that money that I've saved. Welcome to the Chasing Passion podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. My mission, my goal, my duty is to interview people who are following their passion and doing what they love while making a living out of it. In this day and age, you can pretty much make a career out of whatever you want. And in this podcast, I talk to individuals who are doing just that. Well, this week we're joined by Teresa Cullum, who's pursuing her passion in a super interesting way. Teresa was initially pursuing teaching and while she was in her third year of university, she decided that it wasn't the path she wanted to pursue and so she dropped out of university and bought a van. She converted that van into a mobile home and joined the van life movement. Her two biggest passions are snowboarding and kiteboarding and that's exactly how she lives her life, doing these two things pretty much on a daily basis. Oh, and she also gets to travel the world in complete freedom while she does it. She sustains her lifestyle by working as an instructor, teaching snowboarding and kiteboarding, and also doing some digital nomad stuff. In this episode, we talk about the challenges that are involved with van life, what the best thing about it is, dealing with loneliness, finding motivation, and tips for anyone who wants to begin on a similar journey. You can find Teresa and what she's up to by visiting her website or her Instagram, which is Teresa Van Life, and that's all one word. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and just before we begin, do you mind leaving a short review on Apple Podcasts and this will help the podcast grow in so many ways and I would really, really appreciate the support. I've included the Apple Podcast link in the episode description or you can find it by searching Chasing Passion on Apple Podcast. This will take less than 60 seconds and you could really help by leaving your short, honest feedback in the form of a star or maybe a few short words. It will be super helpful. Thank you so much for listening to the episode and without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Teresa Cullen. Teresa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. So I guess just for just to provide some context to the listeners, can you just give some information about yourself and what are you currently up to? Um, well, at the moment, um, I'm back home in Ireland because due to coronavirus, obviously we had to kind of... Uh, quit the job or I lost the job and then uh, return home to my parents' house, which is uh, not ideal, but um, kind of keep myself busy here. I work for my dad a little bit now, um, just doing bits and pieces. So just waiting to get back on the road again. So before the whole coronavirus, um, what, what were you up to? So you said you lost your job. What was your job? Um, I was working in Austria as a snowboard instructor. So uh, in the winters, I live in a like a ski town called Meyerhofen in Austria. Um, and I work there teaching snowboarding. Um, and yeah, I love it. So it's great. And like, okay, so um, you, you were initially studying to become a teacher. And then you decided I'm going to drop out and I'm going to pursue this van life journey. So can you kind of talk through like what happened there? Why did you initially want to be a teacher and then you suddenly just decided to drop out or yeah, what happened there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I didn't really know what I wanted to, to be mm. when I was up. Actually, I wanted to be a singer. <laughs> that was oh, like wow. what I wanted. Yeah, that's what I wanted to be <laughs> like from the middle. But my parents, my like my whole family are medics. So my mom's a doc, my, my dad's a doctor, my mom's a nurse and my mm. brother's a doctor. So it was sort of assumed that I would follow suit there and, and go into like something medical. But uh, whenever I was eventually applying for university, I was thinking, you know, I, I don't want to don't want to do that. So it was sort of like a rush to choose something else. So I chose teaching, primary school teaching. So I thought, yeah, sounds like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then whenever I went to university, I wanted to go away from home um, always. So I went to Liverpool actually to study. Mm-hmm. And all the people that I met there, they just... They, they 
dreamed about being teachers since they were, you know, kids, since they were five years old. Right. And I just felt like I, I wasn't, that wasn't me. And I felt like I was sort of living out someone else's dream. And I didn't really feel like I deserved to be there. And I wasn't really giving it my all either. And that really annoyed me, um, you know, in assignments and stuff when you just... Like, when you're I not wasn't... passionate about it. Yeah, exactly. And I was just getting like frustrated about what I was becoming. I didn't really I just felt like I had so much like more or so much else like inside me to give um so after like a summer we we went to Egypt and I was kite surfing and after that I went back to university and I was in my third year and I phoned my parents one night and I just said guys what would you say if if I said I wanted to drop out of university and um just like become a kiteboarding teacher <laughs> and, and travel and thinking that my parents would be like catch yourself on no way but they were like yeah do it do you know what just do it like you have our support which is I'm so grateful for because without my parents you know without their support don't think I would have had had the confidence to make that leap so within a few weeks you know like uh, my dad he he said you know well it's winter now why don't you go and do some like snowboarding for the winter and then go like do the kite surfing in the summer and I never really thought of it to be fair before and I was like yeah so we we got online and we started googling like you know snowboard courses or whatever and we found this one in Austria so within a few weeks um I moved there and uh did training to become a snowboard instructor and then got a job and and worked so I did go into it very blind to be fair like I moved to Austria um, got accommodation in this house that was like 20 boys living there and me and I'd never met anyone before and it, it was like when I look back I'm thinking god like this is such a big step for me to make it what like 20 years old like I didn't yeah. know what I was self into but um but yeah I mean like I said I had like my parents support and uh that was that was the main thing yeah, and I think like when you step out of, you know, the, the what's considered the norm, like, you know, going to university, finishing a degree and then getting a job, a job they don't necessarily enjoy doing. And I think it's really cool the way you kind of notice that in yourself. OK, this is not the part I want to pursue. And I think like in this in this day and age, like you can pretty much pursue whatever it is that you want. And that is through the power of the Internet. You can there's so much freedom to do whatever you want. So I think like the way you notice that, you know, this is not where I want to go. And he's, the way he stepped out of that, you know, kind of rhythm, I think that's pretty cool. And you also mentioned, you know, some of the people you went to university with, um, they always wanted to be teachers as as children. Um, what yeah. were you like as a child? What were you naturally curious about? Um, I, so as a as a kid, well, this is going way back. I actually um always kind of wanted to do what my brother was doing. So when he was skateboarding with his mates, hmm. I wanted. Skateboard. <laughs> I wanted to copy everything that he did. And then when I got a bit older, I really liked um, music. Like I said, like I played the piano and was like really um, passionate about singing. And uh, I actually got a bit into musical theatre and thought that I would go into that and do something in musical theatre. Um, but then when it came down to you know exams and you get to that age, like 15, 16, we're doing your GCSEs and everything. Parents were like, okay you know, we think you should be a doctor. So like scrap <laughs> the music thing, like, you know, you're going to be a doctor and that that's it. And I sort of like, didn't really know. I was like, okay. Um, but I didn't apply myself at all for that. Like, Cause again, you know, I'm, I, I guess I've learned now I'm the type of person, you know, if, if I'm pushed into something or if I'm doing something that I'm not a hundred percent passionate about or sure of, I'm not going to give my all. Um, and I think, yeah, that's, that definitely transpired through my, through my childhood. I think I think it's cool the way you start off, you know, with skateboarding, and now look at you. You're doing snowboarding, you're doing kite surfing, which is very, very similar to skateboarding. Um, yeah, you should. I've actually taken up skateboarding now that I'm oh, really? home and <laughs> surf like or a snowboard. So I've taken up skateboarding at 24, and you should see my knees. They're like black and blue. <laughs> but it's fun. I love it. Board sports. That's what. That's what I'm into. And yeah. And then you still you still do your singing in a way because I saw some of your Instagram videos you were singing and you're really good. Um, um yeah, so you, you still do, you still do your singing and stuff, so that's pretty cool. Doing everything, yeah, like just just wee bits here and there. Like my dad plays the guitar and he loves to like you know pick a song and I'll learn it and you can sing and that's lovely to have that with him as well. So yeah, it's here and there. Hmm. 
And okay, so okay, you wanted to do this um, snowboarding and so on, but what happened with the van? When when did the van come into in into the into the picture? I guess. Uh, what made you decide to get a van and just travel? Did anyone inspire you? Uh yeah. Well, so the van thing's actually a funny story because when I was when I went to Austria, I would love to say that it was my dream, and then I thought of it. But okay. It <laughs> okay. And um, so I had a boyfriend who. He, uh, yeah, he's a snowboarder as well. Um, mm. We met in Austria and he, he was telling me, you know, about how oh, my dream is to live in a van and I'd love to live in a van. I was thinking, who would want to live in a van? Are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, that's like not, I was sort of, yeah, you do you, but I would never want to live in a van. That's, you know, mad talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one summer, um, I went to Tarifa for kitesurfing and I met a guy, Alex, who I don't know if you've seen his videos. He's called Kite, Ma- Kite Van Man on YouTube. Um, I met him like we studied to be uh, kitesurf teachers together. Right. Um, and just talking to him, he's like, yeah, I just live here, man, in my van with my girlfriend. And I was like, crazy. Who wants to live in a van? Never mind live in a van with another human like mm. these people. Had. Anyway, he like brought me down to his van one day I was like yeah this is it open the door and I honestly could not believe my eyes it was nicer than my house in there (laughs) I was like what like this is insane and from there I just started like you know getting on YouTube and looking at all this these van life uh, stories and the van life movement I thought wow yeah okay now I get it now now I totally get it like I want to do that and then it manifested from there really and so, okay, you, you looked up uh, all these YouTube videos and so on. Like, And did you do this all yourself? Did you convert the van yourself? Did you get help? I'm just curious to know, like, for anyone who perhaps wants to do this, you know, whole van life movement thing, um, well, how should they start? Like, um, what's the process there? Yeah, so I think everyone's journey is a little bit different. Um, and everyone sort of does it their own way. And um, I didn't have any skills. Like, I have no skills. I still don't have many to build a van. <laughs> right. So, and I also, like, I had enough to buy the van, but um, I, w- I didn't have enough to, like, do up the inside. So I kind of choose, chose, like, a different route, and I outsourced, like, the work. So um, I got a company to help me um, to build the inside, and then I would, like, go down to their workshop and help them with, like, little bits. And I would try to do, like as much as I could mm. and like and most of like the decor and stuff myself but they helped me with like the electrics and the plumbing and things like that and yeah I just lived at home in, with my parents so I didn't have to pay rent or for food for like nine months when I was doing it which really helped and then I worked for my dad um as his receptionist and his GP surgery and I worked um I did that like in the days from like 8.30 to 6. And then I worked in a restaurant from 6 until like whenever it closed in the evenings and the weekends. And then I also worked for like a friend's events company sometimes. So I had like three jobs back here uh, and I was just yeah, working and like, sending every penny that I could into the van um, to get it finished. Because I, did I didn't want to take uh, like a couple of years to do it. I wanted, I wanted it to start like now. So um, I chose yeah to, to just work my ass off, get someone else to do like some of the work for me and yeah I did it that and it way took, it took nine months did it how long did it take yeah, yeah it took about nine months it should have they, it, I was promised four weeks in the oh beginning. really <laughs> yeah and I knew I knew like that was never gonna happen so yeah, um, yeah so nine months it took because there's yeah people every van life journey says that I think you know it took longer than hoped and longer than expected but hmm. yeah here we are and like how how much does it cost to do these things? Um, is it like in the ten thousands? Like, I'm just curious to know, like, what's the overall price for converting a van into a comfortable yeah. enough van? You know, so you can have a comfortable enough life. Um, what's the average price? Yeah, this is this is the thing. Like, you can you can do it for a lot cheaper than what I did it. Okay. And I so the van that I bought for a start. So I think that's really important when you're starting your van life is you have to think about the van because if you get an old van, that's like a little bit beat up and you can get it for, you know, three, four grand or something, or maybe a little bit more, you know, it's not going to be used to if it breaks down. If it yeah. breaks down, it's <laughs> yeah. so that's what, whenever I was like looking at vans in the beginning, I thought, you know, I don't want an old model. I don't want a rust bucket. You know, I'd saved a lot of money from um, working in Austria actually. And 
yeah, so that was that was the main thing. And because I got paid in in cash in Austria, and mm-hmm. then because I pay in cash, I got my van from like a re repossessed vehicle like place from like businesses that had gone bust. Oh and wow! Then, yeah, kind of got lucky. So, I did get really lucky. So I got this like 2016 model with just 11,000 miles on it. And because I was able to pay in cash, I got it for, yeah, like, well, 10 grand, which is not bad. Hmm. Um, And then the inside. So people who are doing the work themselves, for one, can save a lot of money. And there's certain things that I have in this van that, you know, just like aren't, aren't really necessary. And they're not like you know you don't you don't need them like for example i've got these thermal blinds at the front and they're right. like built into the van um and they themselves cost like eight or nine hundred pounds you know but For you can't wow yeah <laughs> because they're built, like in they're like custom and they're built into the side of the thing so when you park up you literally just go like and they're like thermal and oh wow really sounds pretty cool yeah, yeah, they are. They're one of my favorite parts of the van, but they were really expensive. But people have, you know, the reflective like things that they just like stick up and work just as well. But you know, you can get them for probably tenner. Mm. Uh, so things like that. And I have like an awning for the side of my van, and um, that cost a little bit as well. Again, don't, you don't need it. And a ladder on the back, which was unnecessary now when I look at it because I don't really need it. But that was like you know a few hundred quid. Um, so yeah, you can do all these things for for cheaper for sure. But I knew that I was going to live in this van full time for the next, you know, I don't know how many years. So I thought, you know, I'd rather spend the money now, and then not have these problems to think about in the future. And I wanted it to be as well. I'm living in, you know, sub zero temperatures, so it had to be proper. It had to be insulated and and very very livable. And actually. Like when you're in there, sub-zero temperatures, is it like, is it completely normal? Like, is it, is it ever cold that you need to know extra heating or whatever? How does it, like, is it, is it completely fine to stay there for like months at a time in, in, um, in these temperatures? Yeah. I have a diesel heater in my van. So it's a little heater that's connected to the diesel tank and it uses barely any power and barely any diesel. And it's like the whole van heats up within like two minutes. So it's really, really good. And I can keep it on through the night too. Hmm. Um, when it ta- Sometimes it cuts out. It happened like a couple of days this winter <laughs> where it cut out in the middle of the night and I literally wake up and like can't feel my face because it's oh, so no. cold. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, these are things you have to expect. They're going to happen. If I didn't have a heater, no, I don't think I would be strong enough to live in here in the winter because it does get cold. It does get very cold. And now you're currently living with your parents because um, of the whole coronavirus situation. Um, do you live in your van or with your parents? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I live, yeah, I live with my parents. Okay. Although, like, I I think I would quite like to just live here in the driveway, maybe to get my head shard for a few days. <laughs> but no, my parents are awesome. They're like my best friends too. So um, I love it. Like, it's no bother to me if I need to go home and live with them for a while, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, when you started off this journey, I could only imagine that it was very difficult because like you're by yourself, you're just traveling the world, well, traveling to different places to do, to work as a ski instructor, not a ski instructor, snowboard instructor or a kiteboard um, instructor. But like, what were the biggest kind of challenges that you faced um, in the first few weeks of starting your journey on when, with van life? Yeah, um, yeah, that's that was a big thing because... I would watched a lot of um, other people's journeys on YouTube mm. and I'd, you know, I'd listen to them all say, you know, van life isn't for everyone and it's not how you see on YouTube. Like, it's not all, you know, roses and daisies. Like, yeah. there are sides. And I'd really thought about it and I'd really, you know, considered all the, all the things that could go wrong and all the bad sides to it. And, you know, I, I weighed it all up and I, it was, you know, still, it was still for me. I still thought that... Uh, yeah, it's definitely something I want to do. But the one thing that I didn't even like consider was the fact that I'd never lived alone before. Like, yes, I've you know traveled alone, but then you go into shared accommodation and you meet people. But I've never actually just lived by myself. And that was the one thing that when I did move away, the first night in the van, woke up the next morning and I was just like, oh, it's no one to talk to. I'm <laughs> just alone. 
like I'm gonna have to call some friends and ask if I can come over like you can't just you know walk into your kitchen for a cup of tea and see another friendly face and have a chat for a bit you know that was the main thing that I was I thought oh crap maybe this isn't for me because you know I love people and people person but that's one of the biggest lessons in van life is it's taught me how to be alone I'm definitely stronger for that um it took a bit like it took a wee while to get used to but you know now I love it now I'm like oh people go away (laughs) (laughs) I like what was the kind of mindset behind that like how did you transition to that because like I could only imagine like if I went there you know by myself I'll, I'll find it pretty hard as well um like what kind of helped you overcome all that um you just have to be sort of a bit more um social I guess like for me whenever I went away I went to Austria so it was my first trip in the van was somewhere that I already knew. So I knew the the town a little bit before okay. and I knew some people there. So that was like really comforting for me. It would have been way more scary if I'd just, you know, gone off to a new place that I didn't know and didn't know anyone. But I went back to a place where I had a job before and um, I had like some mates there. So I knew that if I ever did get myself in a bad situation, someone was going to be there to bail me out. Mm. Um, it was really comforting. Um, and I would say yeah, I was a good choice for like a first a first trip in the van by myself. But it was it was strange, you know, when you would go snowboarding in the day with your mates and then at the end of the day you're sort of like, All right, see us later and they all go back to their respective houses and they all live in together. And then I was just going back to my van by myself. And I was a little bit sad at times. I thought, yeah, then I would have to kind of phone someone and say, like, Could I come round for dinner? Or <laughs> but um it like I said, like once you get used to it, like it doesn't it doesn't really matter. And then it's it's like a bit more special to go around to a friend's house and like meet up with them. And it's just so nice to have your own space too and to have the freedom. Like I had, you know, friends that lived in another ski village, um, like a little while away, and um, some friends that lived in the city in Innsbruck. So I was able to just you know drive anytime and see see people stay for a few nights, and you don't need to say like, oh hey, can I crash on your sofa for you know a couple of days because i had my own portable house so mm. things like that you know you just you weigh up the the pros and the cons and a little bit of loneliness at times is nothing yeah and i think like you said like living with yourself alone you know is really important like solitude and there's a lot to be benefited from that as well so i think that's that's pretty cool a good lesson to learn and like i'm curious to know like what does your overall day-to-day look like when you're you know out and about in the in the mountains during the summer what does a typical day look like for you so summer and winter are are like quite different because in summer the van is like really really hot Mm. (laughs) it's like sometimes unbearably hot because when I was building it I thought okay I need to have a really really well insulated because I'm going to be living in in you know sub-zero temperatures but I didn't really consider that it's going to be like way too hot in the summer. So it's kind of definitely built for winter, this van. Um, I've I've tried to put like some like features in now to uh, make it a little bit more summer friendly too. But yeah, that would mean like in the summer, you know, the door is always open. You're always sitting outside. Um, and when you're kiting, you know, there's, you do meet a lot of other people who, who live in vans and even in the winter as well. Like I meet people, um, who, who live in, in vans as well. So you kind of hook up with them and then you're always sort of like sitting outside and chilling out with each other. Um, and then in the winter, you know, it's cold. So the door is always closed and you're uh, spending a lot more time like in the van and like in the small space. But yeah, so that's that's the difference between the days. And as well with, with in the summer when I'm, when I'm kite surfing, you kind of wake up, like, you know, open the door, chill a little bit go for a ride or if I'm teaching I'll go teach and then you kind of come back and it's it's easier to shower as well in the summer because yeah you can just like throw some water over yourself and yeah outside. and yeah it's it's quite nice um and then in the evenings like you're always meeting friends or you just meet for like a few beers somewhere and like it's it sounds quite boring actually when when I'm saying it like I feel like I could be doing way more exciting things but yeah, and in the winter as well, I'm just, I wake up, uh, I have coffee, I go up the mountain, go to work, and then I come home. And sometimes in the winter, like, because it's so, I 
keep it so warm in here because like my bed's right there after dinner sometimes i fall asleep like seven or eight o'clock so bad (laughs) or i would go out with my friends and stay (laughs) out seven in the morning but um yeah it's it's just different like every day is a little bit different too but it's good to have a bit of routine in van life too and you have to be organized to live in a van that's that's another thing that it taught me um yeah you have to be organized you know sometimes you run out of water it's not good um and running out of gas as well like you always need to kind of have these things in mind and always checking my my power as well see if i have enough power and yeah so you definitely if you're a disorganized person van life is you're going to struggle hmm. and like can we talk about routine and like what kind of things help you to stay organized like do you have any like you know strict routines in the morning i need to do this in the evening i need to do this because like you're obviously working in between all that as well so i'm just curious knowing like what that whole process looks like for you um so not really i mean once you get into van life it's there's not really much like there's not a lot to do just making sure you know you check I check the power like every morning when I wake up mm. and um you're always trying to like keep an eye on that and your water levels as well and then you know if I'm parked somewhere uh where there's you know somewhere I can fill up water nearby like in the winter there I was parked just um next to the gondola station so I'd just like go and fill up some water in the bathroom there um and then bring it down and I would always wake up just a, I like to wake up early in the morning just to get a few things done mm-hmm. before I go to work um but but that's it really like I can't really I can't really think of like it's hard when I, when I haven't like been living in the van now for like a month or two it's hard <laughs> to know like it just kind of all sorts itself out whenever you're whenever you're living it yeah um, yeah okay i'm like really uh, quickly that like you have to clean you have to clean a lot because it's such a small space that mm. you know there's a little like when there's something out of place the whole whole room looks uh looks messy so you do have to kind of keep on top of cleaning as well which sometimes i'm not like good at it but <laughs> yeah okay and what do you think is the best part about living in a van and traveling and so on what's what's your favorite part about it uh I guess it's the same as everyone it's just the freedom like I I kind of tell people that don't get it I'm like well you know I've got a winter cabin in any ski resort that I want and I've got a beach house in any beach that I want you know and for that that for me is just you know you can't beat it um and especially my job as well uh where I do have to do a lot of traveling and finding accommodation can be a bit tricky if you want to go somewhere that you want but you can find accommodation or whatever and it's quite attractive as well when you're looking for a job in places you know if you say like oh no I don't need accommodation I've got my own Mm. um that's that's quite appealing for for people as well um but yeah the freedom like I said is to to go anywhere at any time is is amazing you know you can go one place and if you don't like it you just go somewhere else you know, I'm not I'm not bound to any, you know, contracts for like a house or something or rent or any of that. So yeah, it's 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 definitely the best life for me. It's not for everyone. Um I get that. Some people prefer to be static and you know to have that, but for me this life at the moment is is definitely the best. Wow, yeah, I mean the freedom part of it is really, really cool. Because yeah, like I said, you can go anywhere you want and do whatever you want, go to any beach you want. Um, yeah oh I love that and you wake up with a beautiful view I say every single morning <laughs> oh, the, the views are just breathtaking sometimes <laughs> like especially I was doing a bit of traveling in, in the summer there um up through Italy and up through France and we use mm. this we use this app I don't know if you've heard of it it's called Park Fortnite I've heard of it yeah. it's amazing like you just go on you kind of search like around your location and it gives you any sort of um like free parking space or like secluded area that a camper could fit on and you get like the most amazing places like just beside little rivers like covered in forest and sometimes I would you know look on this park for night app and think or I'll go there and it's dark and you kind of drive in thinking I don't know where I am but when you wake up the next morning you're by like a beautiful river like beautiful (laughs) trees like 
oh my god and that's those are the moments that you're like yeah this is why i do this <laughs> yeah that that sounds amazing wow so you just wake up well you go to sleep not knowing where you are and then you wake up and you're like oh here i am look at this place yeah that's that's pretty cool <laughs> i have a rule as well that if i'm ever parked beside water i have to go for a swim like no matter how cold or something <laughs> it always have to at least like do a quick dip in in the morning even in the icy water like if it's just like below yeah. zero really oh yeah definitely oh, wow. best sounds... way to start hmm. okay and what are the difficulties about van life like what, what are the challenges involved what do people need to realize if they do want to become a van lifer themselves what's hard about it um well for me personally at the beginning it was the loneliness Mm -hmm. um and the fact that you have to be organized um and although you've got freedom to go wherever you want whenever you want there's a lot of like restrictions in van life too um you kind of like a lot of people that i meet think think that i'm homeless as well and i'm like i'm not i'm houseless i'm not homeless and when you do meet people you tell them you live in a van you kind of i almost get a little bit offended sometimes because they they say like, oh, if you ever need anything, or you know, if you ever like need to crash on my couch, like you can. Yeah. Like, Mate, I've got the old bed. I'm all right. But I feel like I wrote something down because I was thinking about this earlier. Like, what are the downsides to that life? Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's the luxuries, I guess. Like having like water that comes from your tap and you don't even think about like where it comes from you can just like leave it running and do your dishes magic. yeah <laughs> yeah like this magic water that comes out the magic tap you know you do have to be a lot sparing like more sparingly with your with your water and things um um no just just about like the you have to be like sparingly you have to use your water sparingly your gas sparingly and you know when you do live in a house these are things that you probably don't even like bear to think about you have like two showers a day if you feel like it <laughs> um but that's like a, a it can be a downside i like that i have to be mindful about these things because it means that i don't waste water um i can make water go a very long way in here <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean everyone should kind of follow that and even if they do have unlimited amount of water um because it is good to be mindful about these I, things yeah. And what about cooking? Um, do you tend to like just eat food in a restaurant or maybe get a takeaway or do you cook at home or cook it, cook in your van? Yeah, I cook, I cook here. So um, I actually love cooking. It's like one of my favorite things to do. Um, and I love cooking for people too. So I'm always like, come on. <laughs> people are like, oh, are you sure? But yeah, I cook up a storm in here. It's great. Um, the facilities are like, I don't have an oven, which I would just love an oven in here. But um, I kind of sacrificed that for a bigger fridge. So, yeah, like that's a little bit of a downside to my van, but a lot of other vans, they do have ovens and stuff. So, yeah, that I kind of miss. But like cooking, cooking's no problem, really. Just the washing up that I don't like. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. I'm like, you know, when you cook. Um... That's why I try and invite someone around, like, I'll cook and then you can... <laughs> You do the dishes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when you cook, what about, like, the smell? Um, does it, like, you know, stay in the room the whole time? Because it's only, like, one room in a way. Um, like, does, yeah. that, does that annoy you in a way? Or, like, is there any, like, challenges there? Um, Garlic, yeah. Like, when I use a lot of garlic in my food, it does smell like garlic in here for okay. a while. <laughs> um, in the summer, you cook with the doors open and stuff. Um, and I have, so, I don't know if you can see, like, I have this um skylight up here so you just crack that open crack the window open or the door um and it's fine in the winter it gets a little bit more smelly in here but i think the food smells more mask you know my smell so that's kind of good <laughs> mm. and okay and how do you actually sustain yourself um on van life because i imagine there's a certain world expenses involved with that um and you you get you get to travel you get to do all these things but where how do you sustain yourself yeah, so because my uh, two passions are snowboarding and kitesurfing, I can make a living through through that by um, coaching. So I would go to a place and get a, a job teaching kitesurfing in summer or teaching snowboarding in the winter, and I would be kind of stationary. And that's what's different maybe about my journey is that I'm not um, 
traveling around all the time I do you know keep myself in one place for a few months work as a instructor um save a bit of money and then I'll take you know between the seasons I'll take maybe a month or two off to do a bit of traveling around with that money that I've saved so that's how I, I sustain myself but I have like some side hustles <laughs> with like um getting into more like the digital uh, nomad thing so mm-hmm. I've wrote like a few blogs and stuff for um some companies and little bits like that which have brought in just beer money more than anything <laughs> but I would like to get more into that and I'm kind of yeah trying to maybe start my own blog and stuff and yeah hoping to maybe be a bit more productive in the, in the lockdown and um, thinking about that again so yeah but the the coaching and stuff like that really kind of keeps me going Okay, so you kind of like your future plans involve, you know, expanding your own personal brand a little bit and, you know, maybe doing a YouTube channel, maybe doing a blog and so on. Like, do you have any other goals for the future, any other targets you're trying to hit? Yeah, so that's that's one as well. Like, I think because I do live this lifestyle, um, I have always thought about starting a YouTube channel. And I think it's the one thing it's holding me back is just like worried what people are going to think of me. And I'm kind of like a little bit embarrassed to start a YouTube channel, but um, I definitely do want to, because I think, you know, starting, starting a YouTube channel, not only like kind of inspires others. Yes, but it will help me with, you know, my filming and editing and I will gain so many more skills through that. And I'm doing an online course at the minute in digital marketing um, and sort of learning all about that. So it will kind of, yeah, like broaden my own skills as well. But like way, way in the future, or mm-hmm. well, not way, way in the future, but um, I, my my biggest, biggest passion is snowboarding. Like I love kite surfing, but in, in the past year or so, snowboarding has like really like captured my heart for it to be cheesy, but it really <laughs> Um, And I would... I, what I want to do is start to work towards like making more um, out of my snowboarding. So um, my dream job is to like work with people with disabilities. So I would love to have my own um, snow sports, like not just snowboarding, but but skiing also, um, like snow sports school or camps, like working with people with disabilities. Um, and yeah, like the dream is to work to be like a uh, um, coach for par- like the Winter Paralympics. So, yeah, I kind of, I've researched it a lot and I know the steps that I need to take to, like, start doing that. So, yeah, some of them got cancelled, my plans, uh, through the um, pandemic. But, yeah, hopefully next winter I can really start to work towards that again. Wow, that's pretty cool. And, like, when you're you're going towards, you know, this, like, being the coach in Paralympics, uh, what are the steps you're taking to get there? Um, like, do you have to, like, you know, read about this stuff? Um, how, what what does it actually involve? Yeah, so um, I was just talking, like, the one thing, it was kind of like a dream. And then you have to sort of look look to who, who's already living your, your dream and mm. ask them. So I did that and I was asking a couple of mates who are also instructors, but, like, at a higher level than me. And they sort of pointed me in the right direction. Um, I'm I'm a level two qualified uh, snowboard instructor, and to have your own school, you need to be level three. Um, and is level three the highest? No, level four is the highest. Okay. But there's not a lot of difference between level three and level four. Okay. But um, to do, to get your level three, you have to do like sort of a lot of different things. And once you've completed all these things, then you get your level three certificate. Um, and one of the things that you can um, choose to get the level three is adaptive. So you uh, do like a course and exams um, on how to coach people with disabilities and you learn all about that. And it's called like adaptive snow sports. Mm -hmm. So I'd actually like looked into booking onto a course there in April um, to do that, to get my like adaptive snowboarding and skiing qualification, but it was canceled. So I'll do that next year. And then just working then to get all these little other bits and pieces tied together to complete the level three. And then I'm pretty much good to go. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, like I love the way you're, you're doing this. But then you also, you also you also have a plan for the future, uh, you know, where, yeah. where you want to go. So I think that's pretty cool because, like, yeah, you can't really live in, in such a way for a very long time. Um, and Yeah, yeah. Well, people sort of say to me, you know, oh, so when are you going to, like, get a real job? And mm. I'm like you don't understand like you know this is my real job and yeah. you know 
snowboarding isn't something that I'm just, you know, doing like now that I'm in my 20s and that I'm not going to do forever, you know, like I'm making steps to, to my to my dreams and to my future. Like, yeah, this is my real job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Because um, like, when you, you know, when you look at other people, they're like, oh, you know, working this normal job. But then what is considered normal? Because like in this day and age, you can do absolutely anything you want. And you chose to do kiteboarding and surfing. And that's the best way for you to do it. So I think that's like, oh, it's inspirational. Like everybody should do this. Everybody should like, you know, do do what they're naturally passionate about. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people sort of say to me, um, oh, well, I wish I wish I could do what you're doing. And I'm like, you can. You can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just have to kind of have the balls to do it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like for me, this is, this is what I want to do now. And, you know, I'm not thinking too much into like, I, I've thought far enough into the future that I need to, but I'm not thinking like so far into the future because yes, this is what I want to do now. But what if in five years I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I actually want the house and, and the job and I want to settle down. And, you know, if that if it comes to that, then that's completely fine too. You know, I, I will reevaluate then and hopefully I'll have a bit more life experience to know exactly what I don't want to do and what I do want to do. And I, I've not ruled out going back to uni. Like I have it in my head that I, maybe I will someday, but I want to go back to uni with like a goal in place and know that I need to study this degree to get there, not just go like what I did and think like, oh, maybe I'll do this and see what happens. You know, I want to have, you know, I want to know like this is what I need to do to get here and I'm going to do that. But and that's what I'm doing now. You know, I have I have like a, a dream or a goal and I know what I need to, to get there. And, you know, if that changes, it changes. Hmm. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And like, I'm very big on self-awareness and, you know, trying to find your most authentic self, you know, find out what you're naturally interested in, find out what you're naturally good at, and then like make a plan and do these things and go towards them. And like, you're obviously a self-aware person, but what has, what has helped you become more self-aware and what has helped you, you know, like, you know, find, um, find these things that you want to pursue. Cause like a lot of people in their, in their early twenties struggle to figure out what it is that they want to do. And they struggle to find out what their passions are. And what kind of helped you figure that out? So I think this is, yeah, this is really common for people in their 20s. They they don't know what they want to do. So they just do anything and then they get stuck. And my advice to them would be, you know, it's okay to not know what you want to do. I don't think you should know what you want to do so young. So just don't even worry about it. Like, who cares? Like, just go and travel a little bit. Like, you know, travel where you want to and do all these things whenever you're young and, you know, able and single too. Because before you know it, you'll, you know, be married with a family and you can't exactly just, you know, drop everything and go to a new country and live there for a bit. So I would say, you know, meet people, talk to people. You know, I've learned so much from, you know, I had certain, you know, um, views on things that I thought I'd never change. And through the people that I've met, you know, I've just opened my mind so much. And I think that's that's so important, and it's so important, especially when you're in the, in your twenties, learning from other people. Um, and also, there's like a saying or like a quote that I heard recently. That's it was um, you shouldn't need to, we shouldn't need to find ourselves. We should invent ourselves, and I quite like that. I love it. And, you know, when you said other people have changed your views on certain subjects, uh, what are, can you give us an example of something that, you know, just completely, (laughs) that, what changed your perspective, you know, when you, when you talk to these people, I'm just curious. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, van life is one. I was like, who would want to live in a van? And yeah. yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, And, um, um, as well, I think I was a bit sheltered in that, um, like, for example, when I moved to Austria for the first time and I saw people like smoking weed, I thought like, oh my God, call the police. This is mad. People are smoking joints out here. Like I need to go home. And like, I've become so much more like relaxed with, with that sort of thing. And, you know, you meet so many people who are like, legalize it. And yeah, just, you know, like meeting these people and like having these conversations, you know, that they're the things that you only really do when you meet people outside of, of what you you are. And like, I think when you grow up somewhere and then you stay in that place, like all your friends sort of have the same views as you and all that. And 
it's only when you when you go away and you kind of will listen to someone and you know hear their view on something that maybe you've not even thought about before and yeah I think I think it's important yeah I love what you mentioned there you know stepping away from the the culture you you were brought in because like when you think about it like if you live in a certain country or county whatever um it's a very small place like the world is huge and there's so yeah. much to explore there's so many different things to try there's so many different people to meet and you simply just don't know what exists un- unless you try it which is exactly what you're doing so i think that's really really cool yeah I, like i'm from obviously the north of ireland mm. like i grew up in belfast and we have a lot of hate here i'm sure you've heard and you know i think a lot of people are still very very tied up with that and it was only you know, when I when I go away traveling, I've thought about it a lot recently, actually, you know, um, like someone said something to me recently, and I was a bit annoyed about it. And I said to my mom, um, I'm a bit annoyed about this person who's kind of attacked me in a way. And she said, Oh, it's just because you're a Catholic. And it was like, what is that? And, you know, I kind of go on a rant now about how that doesn't matter. And all this and my parents, who you know, they grew up in the in the trouble here. So, you know, they kind of look at me like, oh, there she goes on her hippie rant again. But these are also things, you know, like when you when you travel and you meet people and, and you explain to them, you know, what like the conflicts in, in the place that you've grown up, they can't believe their ears, you know, and you feel almost stupid talking about it. So that's another big thing, you know, that it's, it's gave me so much of a like um, outside perspective on on things uh, like in the place where I grew up and the politics here as well. Well, and, you know, when you when you have challenges, like, you know, for example, like what you explained there or like perhaps when you have an injury um, and that causes you to stay out of work or when you have like frustration mm-hmm. on, on the water or whatever, um, what keeps you motivated? What, what makes you keep going? Definitely the people around me. Um, you, the people, yeah, the people around me, like you, you tend to meet, like-minded people when you're when you're traveling especially when you're traveling for a passion like mm. because I'm traveling for the sports that I love um you meet people that we all share that same passion and we all share that kind of like um I don't know how to describe it but we're all kind of searching for the same things and it's definitely those people that you know I can meet people that I've known for two months and you feel like they've got your back in any situation. Yeah. Um. So it's definitely them, and I have had injuries, and I, I've had I have had like you know troubles, and um like I had an injury, and um, when I first moved into my van, actually everything went wrong when I first moved into my van. My electrics broke. Um, my mate put um diesel in my fresh water tank, so I had no running water, and then I uh, dislocated and fractured my uh, I dislocated my shoulder and fractured my scapula. So yeah, try living in a van where all your cupboards cupboards are up above your head and you can't move one arm. Um, but again, it was just the people like uh, they were so friendly, willing to help you out. Everyone's got your back, um, and they just yeah they 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 make you want to be a better person as well. Like the, the people that I met that I've met and the friends that I've made, you know, they really make you take a look at yourself and and they make me a better person. Hmm. Yeah, I think the whole people aspect, I think, is so important because, like, you need to have a supportive community around you. You need people who are like-minded because otherwise you're just going to seem like, um, I don't know, some strange person to most other people. So, like, it's very important to have that supportive group around you and who are on a similar path to you. So I think that's, yeah, crucial. My my parents as well are, like, amazing. They're supportive, um, yeah. They're so supportive. You know, they've got my back and... It's very confident to know if I ever did get in trouble or, you know, if I was out in another country, I could could call my parents up and be like, look, here's what's happened. I need you to help me out. And I know that that they'd be there for me. So that's that's really supportive. And, you know, like even just when I'm having like a crap time or a crap day, I can always call them and I always feel better after talking to my mom or my dad. And I know I'm aware I'm very lucky to have that with my parents yeah that's that's amazing and you know you currently have this van but let's just say you got like a billion a billion um euro uh what what does your ideal what does your ideal van look like um what would you do with it if you only have to spend it on a van 
Yeah, so or I a actually, bus even. I don't know. <laughs> a a yeah. mobile, you know, uh, transportation yeah. vehicle. <laughs> my my, uh, I often get asked this question. You know, like, what would you change in your van? Um, and honestly, not a lot. Like, I would maybe. Like, like I said, I would, I would like an oven, but the thing with my van, you know, it's, it's the perfect size. It's not too long. You can start, like anyone can stand up in it. Cause it's yeah. um, got the roof. Um, like, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not too long. So I can easily maneuver around in cities and things. Um, and yeah, it's, it's honestly like the perfect, the perfect, um, size. So I think if I was to get any bigger to include more things, uh, I, I don't know, it would be a bit. Like I couldn't just, you know, park in, in town, like outside the pub one night, you know, in a normal parking space because my van is too big, you know. So honestly, I wouldn't want to change the size. And then that doesn't really give me any wiggle room for adding like, you know, maybe an oven in because I like the size of my fridge. And yeah, there's so many things to think about, but um, I'd maybe get, uh, I don't know, it's it's so hard to to think about it. and. Maybe the decor I would change a little bit. So in or a way, you're... Vans. <laughs> Sorry? I, get, I would probably get more vans. <laughs> more vans? Whoa. Maybe have them, like, different themes. Oh, maybe one that's, like, more suited to summer and then, like, a winter van. Oh, yeah. That would be good. That would be good. That's a good idea, actually. And, like, let's just say, you know, you said you were very passionate about snowboarding. That's one of your biggest passions. And um, if you had to teach someone how to snowboard from from scratch to perhaps you know compete at a competition in two weeks um what would you do how would you train someone um oh well just start off with the basics i guess like every student is different that's the thing so you know you you can get a student that's not really that motivated but the ones that are motivated they learn the fastest so I'm gonna take a motivated student. <laughs> um, just teach the the basics and just work from that. I mean, you have to. It's with anything, you know. You have to um, get the progression. So you have to learn the basics before you can get to the top. Um, and yeah, it's it's a hard question. Have you ever snowboarded before? Oh uh, yeah, I have. I snowboarded once, and I found it pretty hard the first few days. Well, first two days, and then it was okay. But um. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult experience at first. <laughs> I think I think my advice to someone as well is to watch other people. And okay. I, in my free time, like when I'm sat there scrolling on my phone, I'm constantly watching snowboard videos from people and snowboard edits. And when I'm around, I'm always looking at what other people are doing and taking inspiration from them. Um, so yeah, and snowboard with friends. And like when you start off snowboarding or when you go traveling now and you um when you go train people, how much of your time is actually spent on snowboarding um per day or per week even? Um I snowboard every day. <laughs> Unless the lifts close, I'm usually up there. Or if I'm super duper hungover. But the best cure for a hangover is to get up there and to get going. So yeah, with my with my job, um because we are kind of dealing with uh, with tourists and holiday makers, you know, their holidays are a week long. And then Saturday is the changeover day. So we're one lot of um, holiday makers go home and the next ones come. So usually Saturday is my day off. And on my day off, I, I want to snowboard. <laughs> so my job has me on the mountain every day. So like six days a week. And I love that. Like for me, you know, I'm getting paid to do what I love. And it gets me up there every day, you know. I had one season where I didn't teach and when it was a bit cloudy or the weather didn't look that great, sometimes I was like, nah, just stay home today. But when you're coaching, coaching snowboarding, you know, you have to go up even if the weather, weather looks terrible and you can't have a bad day. Like if you go up there and you strap your board to your feet, it's a good day. No matter how like bad the weather is or whatever, it's it's always good. And like when you go teaching people, do you teach, is it like solo or are you part of a school? Um, how does that whole process work? Yeah, I work for a school. Okay. Um, yeah, I work for uh, SMT in, in Meyerhofen. So yeah, we are a bunch of, I think we were nine snowboard instructors. They also teach uh, skiing as well. 
Um, so yeah, they're a really, really nice school. The bosses and everything were always really helpful, really supportive. Um, and yeah, I loved it. But I was thinking, you know, when once I, I'm gaining a lot of experience as, as an instructor and like through these schools. But um, I think as I'm going to like progress and like I said, you know, going up to do my level three and stuff, I will think to hopefully maybe start my own small camps and things, get started with that um, and kind of go out on my own a little bit more. Hmm. And then from all the places you visited um, and traveled to, like obviously you kind of revolve around kite surfing and snowboarding. But when you go traveling maybe or when you do all these things, uh, what have been your favorite places that you visited? Yeah. Um, uh, in the last summer, um, I was living in Sicily um, in the south of Italy. And... Uh, I was working there as, as a kiteboarding teacher and after then I took um, the van on a trip uh, like all the way up through Italy and then into France mm. and what really surprised me was the Italian Riviera. Uh, it was so beautiful. We find so many nice spots to park there um, and like Italy in itself is is a really beautiful country but I just got really sick of living there um, towards the end because yeah there's only so much pizza and pasta you can uh, <laughs> a lot of people like don't get that but when you're kind of surrounded by by that every single day i got a bit fed up with it plus sicily is a mess like it, it's there's so much rubbish there all over the, the streets and it annoys me because it's so beautiful but the people i don't know they just don't care about the environment and like when you drive like just 10 minutes down to the supermarket you just see tons and tons and tons of like bin bags like black bin bags filled with rubbish and there's like beautiful um vineyards and um like olive trees and everything and there's just like plastic bags and trash like all over them and that just aggravated me so much but I found like as you go up through Italy it just gets cleaner and cleaner and more beautiful and the Italian Riviera really sticks out for me like I just loved it there loved it so much yeah that's kind of sad the way people don't um respect the environment and just you know litter and bins like that's oh it's so sad because like you know it's it's our world we should all protect it and yeah, yeah. it's just unfair ireland as well though uh-huh. yeah ev- every country pretty much um yeah Ireland Ireland is so beautiful and actually that's actually what I'm thinking now you know that I'm here and I can't really go anywhere else that I should do like a big trip around Ireland or at least you know take the van away um on a few like mini trips around because mm. uh, there's still a lot of my own country that I've not seen um but I love like I love the west coast of Ireland that was the first the first ever like mini trip when I got my van I hadn't even got anything in the inside I just threw a mattress in the back and went down to Clare um for a few days with like two of my mates and it was honestly the best so hoping to do more of that as well because Ireland is stunning. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, like, yeah, because like exploring your own country, that's a lot of people don't even do that. Like I only went yeah. to Kerry last year and I just fell in love with it. It's so, so cool. So nice. Like the scenery is like, it's like, oh, it's so nice. It's like New Zealand except in Ireland pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. New Zealand, I want to go there as well, but don't know if I can get the van there. <laughs> oh yeah, transportation. Um, and like if somebody wants to start their own van life journey if somebody mm. got inspired by listening to this podcast um what advice would you give them how should you start um to be honest you just have to like like i said before you need to have have the dream and then find out how you're going to get there my advice would be to like research it watch all the stuff that's out there on youtube there's so much out there i really really listen to other people's journeys and you have to weigh up the goods and the bads you have to think of all the things that could possibly go wrong and then decide if you're still willing to take that on um and yeah just just go for it i mean there's people think you know i don't i don't have the skills to build an inside like the inside of a van or i wouldn't even know where to start and it's all out there on youtube and you can also do like I did and get someone else to do a lot of the work for you whilst you work away and then just like pump the money into it. You know, there's, you don't have to do it all by yourself. Um, you know, there's, there's so many other ways of doing it. 
Um, but yeah, you have to you have to be a hundred percent sure though that you want to because a lot of work does go into it in the beginning. So you have to you have to really want it because there's so many things that you're going to struggle with when you're trying to build a van too. You meet so many like bumps in the road along the way, and it's so frustrating. So you have to be resilient as well and not let them get to you, and you have to just keep pushing through. Hmm. Okay. And just before we finish up, I would love to ask you some rapid fire questions. Oh no, oh, so bad at this, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just say there's a billboard and this billboard is displayed to millions and billions of people. So the whole world can see this billboard. Um, okay. What message would you put up on that billboard? Oh no. Uh, if you don't like what you're doing, just do something else. I like this. I heard from this. Is what I heard from a friend the other day, and I was like, "Fuck, it is just that simple, isn't it?" <laughs> Truly is. And what's the best investment you ever made? Now, this investment might be time, it might be energy, it might be money. Just in general, what's the best one you think you ever made? Um, I don't know. Like, can can I can I say that like my my snowboard instructor course after I dropped out of uni because it was really that that made me change my my whole life around I mean before sorry this is like totally not rapid fire but (laughs) before um like I before I did change my life and start to live like this kind of lifestyle I was so different like I love to get my hair done and my nails done and I like wouldn't leave the house without having like high heels on and I was so girly that some people see pictures of me then and think like, what? That is not you. So yeah, you can do it. And actually, what else changed? Um, we're going off the rapid fire question, but what else changed, you know, from like from, from that perspective of things? Like what, what was the before and after? Um, I, I just realized that, you know, there's so much more, there's so much better things to care about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I save a lot of money now that I don't get my nails done every like couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, just so much happier as a person, you know, like uh, another thing with, with living in a van is like, I don't have a, I don't have a mirror in here. Like I don't look at myself <laughs> and it's actually what's really frustrated about me about coming home is that like there's mirrors everywhere. I can see myself and I've started to look like, Oh, maybe I've a bit of weight on here or maybe I should change that and I'm like no I need to get back to the van where I don't even think about that like that's that's really that's one thing that I've recently learned that I love about van life is that you know so many things that you would worry about and care about in normal life I just don't even I just think about here yeah (laughs) I like all these things that you know we think we should be like you know we think that we should have cars we think we should have nice clothes but like all of that is just programmed into our subconscious mind through society, through movies we watch. And like yeah. we don't genuinely need these things. Like most of us don't need these things. And like what uh, oh. what does Brad Pitt say in the Fight Club? You know, you, you buy shit you don't need to impress people you don't even like. Something oh. like that. But um, it's exactly. so true. Exactly. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when you look when you look back on your life, what are you going to remember? You're going to remember your experiences and not all the trivial things. And that's also whenever I hit like a bump in the road with fan life or something goes wrong or something breaks and I'm there like, oh, this is a disaster. You know, I just think when I look back on this, I'm not even going to remember the bad times. And even if I do remember the bad times, I'm going to look back on them fondly. So it's all in the journey. Okay, going back to the rapid fire questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you think of the word successful, who comes to mind? My mom. Favorite books or most recommended books? So, um, what have been your favorite books that you just oh that you just adore and you recommend it the most to other people? Normal people. I watched it recently or I read it recently. Normal people. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen it? No. Um, it's, it's just like, yeah, like, uh, it's based in Ireland, actually. I'm surprised you haven't heard of it. It's like all over the show at the moment. Uh, I'll look into it. And the final question for you is what is your definition of chasing passion? Uh, my definition of chasing, chasing, 
passion is uh I don't know just just being being happy like not being afraid to to follow your dreams not being afraid to fail and just working hard hard to get there I mean at the end of the day everyone just wants to be happy and be happy with what they're doing and having a bit of confidence and uh and balls to get there really really helps but yeah I don't know I feel like that was a crap answer but <laughs> no and where can people find you so you're in you're on instagram as teresa.cullen then you have teresa uh van life uh what are the handles yeah. there where can people find you so if you're interested in like my snowboarding and kite surfing skills and just generally what i'm up to every day then it's teresa.cullen on instagram and then if you're interested in the van life and all of that story then that's on teresa's van life on instagram but I am going to hopefully like come out with a, a YouTube channel soon whenever I get back on the road. And um, yeah, hopefully I'm going to have my own website with a blog and stuff as well. That's what I'm working on at the minute um, every day. So yeah, I know it's a bit confusing. I have two Instagrams. It wasn't really on purpose, but... <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. happened. Just happened. Awesome. And just before we finish up, is there anything else you want to say? Anything else you want to mention? Anything at all? No, I'm... Um, um yeah just like don't be afraid to change your life around like I did um and I guess don't be afraid what people think about you because that's one thing that I struggle um with definitely on a daily basis um because yeah at the end of the day everyone's just on their own journey so just gotta like focus on yourself and, and follow your dreams don't be afraid to do it Teresa it was an absolute pleasure thank you so much Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the episode and I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the show notes on the website chasingpassion.ie. That is chasingpassion.ie. If you're looking to support the podcast in any way, I would really appreciate if you could leave a short review on Apple Podcast and this would literally take about 60 seconds and it will help the podcast grow in so many ways. You can find the link to Apple Podcast in the episode description or just simply search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcast and it should pop right up. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. It means the world to me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, just thank you so much and have a great day.